this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. You gonna be quarterback next year? I don't know. I might not even play. You're in need of a serious attitude adjustment, young man. Super dominant male in a 50s greaser uniform. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> the 50s were boring, the 60s rock, the 70s, oh my God, they obviously suck. Dazed and confused, see it with a bud. Behind every good man, there's a woman. And that woman was Martha Washington, man. And every day George would come home, she'd have a big fat bowl waiting for him, man, when he'd come in the door, man. She was a hip, a hip, hip lady, man. where four old millennials talk about the high school and college movies from back in the day when we were high school and college students to find out what made the grade and what should have been held back. Representing the class of 03, I'm your co-host Crooks. Joining me this week and every week, he sings like an angel and drinks like a fish. The class of 04's own Big Hearn, David Oscar Hernandez. What up, Dave? How you doing, bud? Really excited to talk about this one. Uh, it's just filled with all of my favorite things, you know, underage drinking, uh, marijuana, drinking in mm-hmm. the woods, drinking in the car, <laughs> drinking, all of my favorite things. Can't wait. Excited. Yeah. All, it's, it's just like a Dave Hernandez, like smorgasbord of good things. Yep. Now, also joining us in the class of 03, she is one half of our very own Texas two-step, the one and only big sis, Megan Mills. What up, Megan? Hey guys, um, I just did a yoga class before this, so I'm feeling super zen and feeling like I'm channeling my Austin roots right now and excited to talk about this. <laughs> that Maybe. checks out in a way that I can't explain. <laughs> uh, rounding out the two-step, this podcast's chief strength training and trivia correspondent from the class of 01, Dana Griffin. What up, Dana? Hey y'all, I'm real excited for this one. Um, I have on my like gray coat shorty shorts to get me like energized and a whistle to keep me like ready for (laughs) keeping pink in line because he's hanging with a bad crowd. Doing the podcast in character. I deeply appreciate that. And also joining us this week, our very first special guest. I have known this guy since the eighth grade. Uh, He was the lead guitarist in my band for a number of years. He lived with me and Dave in Chicago, um, also from the class of 03. He is this podcast's chief legal counsel, Tony Oaks Esquire. What up, Tony? Hey, Brian. Thanks, guys, for having me. Um, This was my favorite movie for a 
dominant part of my uh, high school and middle school life. So I'm, I'm glad that I was asked to be on as a guest for this movie. Yeah, really appreciate it. I, I share that with you. This was a formative movie for me for a number of years. Um, before we kind of spoil that, Megan, what movie are we talking about this week and where can we stream it? So if you haven't guessed from any of the, the hints, we are watching the 1993 classic Dazed and Confused. You can stream it on Stars if you happen to have that. Uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime as a rental. Um, and just, I'll start with a quick rundown via Rotten Tomatoes. So according to Rotten Tomatoes, like George Lucas's American Graffiti, Richard Linklater's Days and Confused is an affectionate look at the youth culture of a bygone era. While Lucas took aim at the conservative 1950s, Linklater jumps ahead a generation to the bicentennial year of 1976 to celebrate the joys of beer blast, hot smoking, and Frampton Comes Alive. Set on the last day of the academic year, the film follows the random activities of a sprawling group of Texas high schoolers as they celebrate the arrival of summer and their paths various, variously intersecting at a freshman hazing, a local pool parlor, and finally a keg party. That basically sums it up. And before we kind of dig in here, I need to clear this up. This was a little bit of a controversial pick for the pod. Um, <clears throat> as Megan said, this came out before really any of us were in high school or even middle school. And um, this is not even about kids from the 90s, but it fits the pod. Because, like Tony, I watched this constantly in high school. Um, it was kind of a big, big part of my teen years. I think that's kind of going to go for a lot of people who listen to the podcast. And if you were to reboot this movie now and kind of space it back uh, the same amount of time from the original, it would take place in 2003, which was our senior year of high school. So um, it's not a movie when we were in high school or college, but it was a huge part of uh, my high school experience. And so I think a lot of people watch this a lot longer after it came out. And so, you know what? Changing the rules a little bit for this week. Uh, Dana, if you could, give us a quick rundown of who's in the cast here. Ooh, well, that could be a quite a lengthy rundown. So I'm going <laughs> to keep it at the highlights. Yeah, it's like, Anybody who was a young actor in Hollywood in the early 90s, so just throw all of them in there. But I will, you know, hit, hit the main characters. Uh, Jason London is Pink. Willie Wiggins is Mitch. We have Matthew McConaughey in one of his first roles as Wooderson. Um, the same goes for Joey Lauren Adams as Simone. Uh, Parker Posey is Darla, also her first film. And Adam Goldberg as Mike, his first film. Um, we also have Rory Cochran as Slater, Mila Jovovich as Michelle, who I feel like there's a lot of people who just play bit parts in this. So again, I'm going to kind of rifle through Anthony Rapp as Tony. It's, it's his second film, along with Ben Affleck. It's his second film. I remember when I watched this at the time, I was amazed that he was in this movie because I saw it, you know, well after it came out. Uh, we got Sasha Jensen as Don, Marissa Rabisi as Cynthia. Dina Martin as Siobhan, Michelle Burke as Jody, Cole Hauser as Benny, Christine Harnos as Kay. Um, again, this could go on and on. I mentioned Ben. Um, I think that's the highlights. Oh, 
Nikki Cat as Clint is someone, the name probably wouldn't <laughs> ring a bell, but he's definitely like, a, oh, that guy. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so just a lot of, a lot of young Hollywood in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, a a cast of thousands. Cast. Yeah. So um, Dave, when did you first see this movie? Um, I thought about that for a while, trying to figure out when the first time I really saw this was, and I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I, it might have been college. Uh, I know that uh, one, of the, one of the most recent times that I can remember is when the uh, Criterion Collection Blu-ray was released in 2011. You fancy. And, and uh, watched it because I, I like the special features and commentaries and stuff like that. So that's the most recent time I can remember was then, but I probably watched it in college at some point, I think. Okay. Uh, Megan, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You watched this for the first time for the podcast, right? That is correct. And as I mentioned earlier, as an Austin resident and I guess a human that lived through the 90s, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that I'd actually never seen this movie. Um, my, my lovely mother comes up in this podcast, um, or will probably, um, and she was very strict on me. So I didn't watch a lot of um, over PG rated movies. Um, <laughs> <early on. laughs> I think this like the, the DVD cover of this with uh, Slater and his pot leaf t-shirt would have this be banned from your home growing up, yeah, I think. Yeah, 100%. But anyway, I'm super excited um, that this was on the list. It gave me an excuse to see it. Um, I knew Tony was joining. I thought that would be fun since he loved this movie. Um, and I will mention, since Dana and I are actually currently living in Austin um, and have been for quite some time, we will kind of go into some of the, the key landmarks um, for all those Austin listeners and do, go, go down memory lane a little bit. You might even say this podcast is gonna be a very ostentatious episode. Which is a dad joke, yeah. I mean, lame dad. So oh, hey, yeah. hey, get off my back. I have a kid now, I make dad jokes. It's part of my life. Yeah, right, right. Uh, Dana, when was the first time that you saw this? Did you have any like specific memories of watching this when you were younger? Um, I would I would say it was definitely in high school and uh, it was probably like post Armageddon like 98 99 because like huge fan of Ben Affleck at that point in my life huge crush on him I think I had like cut out pictures of him from magazines oh no very (laughs) shocked and surprised when he was in this movie and like he comes in so late and it's such an afterthought and I was just like big mistake big mistake that we saved him for like 20 minutes in um, so definitely be in high school and it was just like part of my watching everything that Ben Affleck has ever done phase. So yeah, not proud of why I was into it, but I definitely, you know, I thought it was like a cool thing to watch about like, oh, this is what high school could have been like if I went to, I don't know, a school in Texas. I mean, God forbid, this is yeah. what, what a high school experience these kids had. Uh, Tony, um, you mentioned this was like one of your favorite movies of all time, definitely your favorite movie for a big chunk of your life. Um, when did you watch it the first time and kind of what memories did you have of watching it when you were younger? So I, I definitely watched this when I was in middle school. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of when, uh, that was the first time I think it was on TV and I watched it and I think it was on like where like all the swear words were like 
bleeped out or like you like oh, dubbed no. over to be some oh yeah so i was like no we have to rent this which at that age you're like okay how do we how do we rent an r-rated movie so, you know um <laughs> you know so you had to do some uh, kind of sneaking around and, and figuring out but then i think i i rented it and then i somehow bought it and watched it over i not only did that i bought this like soundtrack i know we'll get into the soundtrack but like dude it was like a good one. I was listening to that all the time, had no, like, you know, like, had to be the guy to be like, oh, what are you listening to, Nelly? You guys want to listen to (laughs) Fog Hat instead? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so that was, dude, this movie shaped my life for better and for worse. Yeah, we should. So I I said that Tony was a lead guitarist in my band. Um, Tony introduced me to a lot of music that has become like very important in my life. Uh, Tony was the first person who ever played Cream for me. And um, my God, like Jack Bruce is my personal hero. I had never listened to Clapton before that. Obviously Ginger Baker is incredible. Uh, I think Tony played Zeppelin for me for the first time. He was one of the first guys that ever played Queen for me. So the fact that he listened to this a lot, that 100% checks out. That, that sounds dead on to me. Um, for me personally, uh, the first time I watched this is going to kind of bring up some memories, I think, for Tony. Um, I worked at Game Crazy. We mentioned this uh, during our Hackers episode that I used to work at a video game store. Game Crazy was attached to Hollywood Video. Um, it was owned by the same company, and there was like a chain link fence that separated the Game Crazy side and the Hollywood side. Uh, Tony actually helped put up that chain link fence um, and he called me like out of the blue to be like, Hey, would you mind coming to my job and helping us do this? That's why I got that job. So I was there helping to put the chain link fence up with Tony and part of the deal working at game crazy in Hollywood was that you got a bunch of free rentals. Um, I don't remember the exact deal, but it was like three free rentals at a time. And if you get them back on time, there's no like late fees or anything. And so the very first day that I was there, my first day of work, uh, I got off my shift and I was like, well, I have these free rentals. Let me go and look on the Hollywood side and kind of see what I want to pick. And this is 2002. Uh, So this is before Netflix was a thing, before we kind of, had the collective experience of having a billion choices and not being able to find anything you want to watch. And I remember walking through Hollywood, looking at all of these different DVDs and just being like paralyzed. There's so many choices. I have no idea what to get. And then I saw Dazed and Confused. Um, I know that my older brother, Chris, and his friends quoted it constantly. Um, he actually, uh, I think he had the soundtrack, if I, if I recall correctly, but he was the coolest kid who ever lived. And so I'm like, well, if he likes it, it must be cool. And so this was the first thing that I ever rented my free rental from Hollywood. Um, I came up for a shift. I watched it in my parents' basement and I was instantly hooked. I remember being there for like the first time, you know, we see kind of the opening shot and I'm like, these are my people. Like this is a movie for me. And so I watched it basically on a loop in college. Um, I don't know, Tony, if you ever met my roommate Chuck in college, but he was basically real-life Slater. Um, his name was Adam. It's not important why we called him Chuck, but he was like a cartoon pothead. And so I watched it a ton with him. Um, I probably haven't watched it since like 2007. So it was really fun for me to kind of 
get back to watching it again, but this was a very key movie for me for a long, long time in my life. So it was a lot of fun to watch it again. Um, right off the bat, having watched this movie again, Dave, did this movie make the grade or should it have been held back? Um, it was a good movie. I liked it. Uh, yeah, uh, cool cars, obviously. It seemed like people had a lot more fun back in back in those oh, the days. most fun. I don't know if technology has kind of ruined everything for us. We're all reachable all the time. Like the, none of those kids had cell phones, so they were out in the woods and just having a great time. Didn't have to think about anything. So, um, yeah, it was a it was a good look at a different time, and and, and it makes you feel like uh, I think people just had a little bit more fun back in the day when we weren't like clutching our phones all the time. Yeah, I had that same thought. Like they were so in the moment for this whole yeah. movie. There was no distractions. There was no kind of, you know, checking your phone or trying to figure out where somebody is or whatever. It was all word of mouth. The whole yeah. movie kind of unfolds that way. And, you know, it did make me a little bit nostalgic for some of the parties I would go to early in high school when cell phones yeah. weren't really a thing yet either. So that I kind of had that same feeling. For sure. Uh, what about you, Dana? Um, I think it definitely, it held up. I think it helps that it is like, it starts with a nostalgia factor that you're like looking back in time. Um, yeah, because it definitely just seemed like a simpler time where you're just like driving up and down the drag and hopping from car to car. Like, I kind of wish, like, I feel like there's certain movies that make you like, oh man, it wouldn't really dope to like grow up in the 70s, which I don't know, might not have been, but this movie definitely <laughs> made it seem really cool. So yeah, I think it holds up. I, I definitely enjoyed watching it again. Definitely. Uh, Megan, on your first watch, did this make the grade or should they have held this back? Uh, I definitely think it's, I, I can see where it's a classic and I can see where not only a cult classic, but just like, you know, a classic all around. If we're going to like get super technical about like problematic situations, um, which we're going to talk about later. No, but I, do I <laughs> Did I like the movie? Did I enjoy the experience? Would I watch it again? 100%. Nice. Uh, for me, you know, like I said, I haven't watched it in probably 12 or 13 years. It 100% made the grade for me still. It, to me, is like basically a picture-perfect movie from the opening scene to the last shot. Um, not only is one of my favorite movies, it's also like my favorite kind of teen movie where it's all told in one night. It's the same kind of formula that you have for Can't Hardly Wait and super bad. Um, if we ever do a newer movie, um, which who knows if we'll ever get there, but Booksmart, which stars Beanie Feldstein, um, another one of these movies is all kind of told in one night. I love this construct for a teen movie. It doesn't work for everything, but for like a teen movie where you want to pack in as many kind of little individual moments as possible, it is perfect. Um, now, without further ado, let's get into this recap. Where do you want to start, Megan? Yeah, well, there, there were a couple of fun facts that I just thought might be good to get out of the way. Um, I don't know if we want to go into just the quick two fun facts. Sure. Mila Jovich, the Siobhan character, who's basically um, the guy who tried to throw the party at his house, his girlfriend. She did the, um, she's like when they party at the Moon Tower, she was just doing that song about aliens, watch them fly away. That was, in fact, an original by her, 
And she actually had like a mini little music career. She had like, I think two albums in the nineties. How in the hell? Like I had no idea. And, And for me, it's weird that she's like a very minor role in this movie, but is also on the poster and on like the DVD cover. I have no idea how she is the one woman from this movie that's on all the, the stuff for the movie. It, it and she's listed third so, on IMDb. Yeah. Right. I think she was probably the most well-known at the time because I knew mm. her from, like, Return to Blue Lagoon. Anybody watch that movie? Oh, my God. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, she's yeah, no Brooke Shields. Yeah. No, so I think- she, was, she was supposed to have a much larger part, but apparently uh, – when they were trying to do do the scenes when she was going to have more dialogue, just didn't quite work. So that's oh. why a, a lot of her stuff ended up getting edited out, but I guess they wanted to keep her on the poster. But uh, yeah. I, I will say she kind of plays the like her role perfectly. I know it's like a really bit part, but like yeah. there's always that girlfriend or boyfriend of your friend who's there who's nice, doesn't do anything to make you mad, but like literally brings nothing to the table. Like doesn't right. say anything, doesn't do anything. And you're like, oh, how's, how's Mila, Mila? And you're like, and oh, she's fine. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> me and Mila broke up. And you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> we you for sure had those girls in high school that hung yeah, out. Yeah, there's always that boyfriend Megan, or girlfriend yeah. who just doesn't talk. Oh boy. I was, I was trying to think of a, of a name that specific from high school to uh, add to the spreadsheet that would fake in, fit in with that for us. And I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, but I, we, I probably because they didn't say anything. <laughs> I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. For sure did. In uh, 2004, about 10 years after the movie came out, uh, three of the director Richard Linklater's former classmates from Huntsville High School, who were actually, their last names were Wooderson, Slater, and Floyd, filed a oh, lawsuit boy. against him in uh, New Mexico State Court because they have a longer statute of limitation for defamation of character due to the way that they were written in the movie. They, I don't know why they waited that long and felt... Uh, right. It, it took that long to feel aggrieved by the way that they were portrayed, but it was dismissed, but uh, a little interesting fun fact that that happened. There's and that's crazy that you wait that long for that. Yeah. Man. There's a lawyer who will take that case. Well, <laughs> Are you that lawyer, Tony? I mean, at this point in time, during COVID, during COVID-19, yeah, sure. Sure, whatever. We'll go to New Mexico, whatever. That's where we're still. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was written up in, in the Washington Post, so it got some ink. Wow. Interesting. Crazy to me. All right. Well, I'm going to dive right in, but feel free to jump in, guys. Um, so really interestingly enough, uh, we didn't actually plan this, but um, it actually starts on May 28th, with, which is actually what today's date is. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to do this recording, so it seems like the worlds are aligning. Um, <laughs> although it, ha- it started in, it happened in 1976, right? And as we mentioned earlier, it's basically all over the course of one or day or 24 hours, basically. Um, and as you mentioned, Crooks, like what it reminded me of, because Can't Hardly Wait was sort of my Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. Um, it just reminded me very much of like Can't Hardly Wait was kind of like a rip off of this almost. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it, it basically starts with a scene of literally every classroom in the building where you know, this group of kids are like thwarting actually learning or doing anything. Um, 
and smoking, drinking, getting high, like literally doing anything but what you're supposed to do in school. Well, it is uh, the last day. I, <laughs> I mean, it's oh. like, come on, just leave then. Yeah, not like <laughs> we were doing? getting high on the last day in, you know, Monmouth County, New Jersey. But like, I definitely have the same thing, but I'm like, I guess it's the last day and it's the 70s, so no one cares. Like, that's the only way mm. I can kind of excuse it. Yeah, mm. like in Woodshop, they're literally making a bomb. Right. And like a a quality bomb. Right. And then in English, they're going to slip out to smoke in the bathroom and the hall. The guys are drawing um, marijuana and like all this crazy stuff on the wall. It's like, just leave. Like, if you walk through (laughs) school, like, why are you there? Anyway, um, and Sweet Emotion is the song that's playing in the background, which, by the way, amazing and totally set the scene. And we're going to dig into the music later. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to get into the music in a little bit. Um, but there's something that I think we need to kind of mention here. Uh, this movie essentially has like a cheat code for a lot of this stuff. And we're going to see it pop back up a bunch. Um, in preparation for this podcast, uh, Dave and I did a practice recording based on the premiere episode of Netflix's Everything Sucks. And they kind of have the same cheat code there. So what I mean by that is when you're making a period piece like this, you had the benefit of knowing all the best stuff to put in. The music, the fashion, the hair, the slang. Everything can be pitch perfect and really stand the test of time because you already know all the stuff that survived in the consciousness from back then. So um, we'll kind of get into all the segments as the episode goes on, but they were basically they like basically just distill down the entire mid-70s into their essence and hit every single note perfectly whenever they wanted to with this one. So... Yeah, sweet emotion, the music in general, the looks, everything. I feel like it's like, all right, we we know how this is going to work out in the future. And so we're just going to put in all the best stuff. Mm. Great. Mm, Um, Good point. Good point. So a large part of the plot um, really revolves around Pink, the quarterback of the football team signing a pledge to avoid alcohol and drugs while playing for the team. And he's like, you know, the guy who's everyone's banking on, but this entire movie is about doing drugs and drinking. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like very interesting. Um, It's also a little interesting because being back in the seventies, I wasn't like really clear that they had those types of rules. Like our school growing up at Niqua was a zero tolerance school. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that truly made me scared in terms of if you are on a sport, and you were caught with something like there's zero tolerance, no questions, you're out. Boy, how did yeah. have to sign pledges and things like that? But um, curious, I know that I was, you know, I was on palms and orchestras, but I know Brian, you played football. Did you guys have to do something like this? Um, so, like you said, I played football and I also ran track in high school. Um, I was a lot better at football than I was at track. Um, and our football coaches alone could just like fill an entire episode. We never had a pledge to sign or anything like that, but we also didn't have to. Um, Not only were we a zero-tolerance school, but our coaches were almost unanimously very fervent evangelical Christians. Mm. Um, Despite the fact that we're at a public school, our coaches were basically like Jesus and the apostles. Uh, From freshman year through senior year, every head coach was like a super, super serious Christian um, a big part of high school for me was like the football summer camp. It was quote unquote voluntary, but like if you didn't 
go to both the football camp and the conditioning camp. You had no shot of ever seeing the field. And I can remember clear as day uh, being over at Steve Vanderbond's house early in the summer of 99 uh, and hearing about this guy, Coach Still. Um, if you're listening at home, pop open that spreadsheet, write that name down because um, Coach Still, I think, is going to come up a lot. While you're at it, go ahead and log in Steve Vanderbond there too because he's a guy that I, I think is going to come up kind of a lot from some of the, the wackier characters that we come across in some of these movies. But Coach Still is like a cartoon football coach come to life. Um, if you watched King of the Hill, he looks just like Hank's football coach, Coach Sowers. Um, so I remember I'm over at Steve's house and our friend B Brian Fuller uh, pops up and says, Coach Still just showed up at a house party last night and suspended like 15 starters on the varsity team because there was drinking at this party. Um, our first week of freshman year, right after this whole suspension thing happened, our varsity team lost like 46 to three or something crazy because all the starters were suspended. Uh, Coach still did this all the time. He would just like pop up at a house party and drag all the football players outside and just suspend them all if they were there. It doesn't matter if you were drinking or not. If you were there, you were in trouble. I remember one time Wojo, um, Megan, Tony, maybe even Dave, I'm sure you guys remember Wojo. Yeah. He got in trouble for something. He was always in trouble. I don't even know what he got in trouble for. But Coach still said verbatim, this football team is now a track team. And today, you're going to run until I vomit. And so we ran for like <laughs> two straight hours with no break, full pads on, mouthpieces in, and then when sun was starting to go down, Coach Still put his fingers down his throat and made himself throw up, and that was the end of our practice. So, um, yeah, we never had a pledge to sign, um, but I was also never under the illusion that I could just, like, drink and do drugs and still be on the team or anything. Uh, Dana, you were also a pretty serious athlete in high school and in college. Do you have any fun coach stories that are not rollerblading related? Um, I don't. I'm, like so like mesmerized by like baffled by that story because like yeah I played sports in high school in college I also coached high school sports and couldn't imagine ever getting to the point where like I'm gonna physically make myself throw up to prove a point or something <laughs> wow, that, uh, that boggles the mind um but no for me like I don't remember in high school if we had anything like that I think the first time I got high it was actually at a field hockey sleepover so like no, like I oh, drank with my team. <laughs> like that was kind of what we did. And then not like I didn't drink that much, only a handful of times in high school, but it was always with teammates, which is seems like the antithesis of your life um there in Holy Illinois. Shit. Um and then in college once as a team, half of the team decided that they were gonna be dry all season. And I like the other half was like my group of friends, and I think I was just kind of like yeah of course yeah that sounds like a great idea and like that's, i left it as that but they took that as like a solemn oath that my whole crew was also dry oh, and then like found brother. out that we had been drinking the whole entire time and it led to quite a fight and it was just like we're in college no one's getting paid to be here we're not right. good anyway like that occurred in college this whole like <laughs> you must stay dry like were you in utah no like it was insane and like they were like you agreed to it and i was like no i said like yeah get that the hell out of my room 
I say a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. It was an <laughs> awkward conversation. I didn't see a way out of it. So I was just like, yeah, that sounds like it could be a good idea. It was, there are definitely qualifiers, but they like took it as a solemn oath oh, and it led gee. to like a huge fight. It was crazy. Oh my God. So yeah, that oh part of the God. movie, I was like, ooh, in high school. Damn, that sounds like a lot. So yeah. Oh boy. Like, Brian, I, I played soccer and I, it was never an issue. Uh, and like a different beast, I feel. Well, like. Your coach was Jim Johns, right? Exactly. Like we had two players <laughs> who showed up late to a practice that we had to go to because we lost huge. And they showed up late, and they were like, "What were you do guys doing? Why did you show up late?" And it was like, "Oh, we were at blah blah blah's house, and we lost track of time." And we all were like, "Oh, we yeah, you were getting high. We all know what they were doing." And then we still didn't have any type of pledge or anything like to talk about. Like, See, the whole okay, thing was like okay, we're sm- they were smoking weed. Gone. Okay, a real quick Jim uh, Still story. And Frank, to be honest, I still love Coach Still. He is the best coach I ever had. Um, That's terrible. He was like a it great like, like Stockholm syndrome. Boulder of, yeah. No, no, no. Like, like sincerely, we're, we're friends on Facebook now. Um, mm. He was the cool. Stockholm syndrome. We, we're going to watch Varsity Blues uh, next week as a spoiler alert for those listening. And uh, one of my old teammates, Eric Bramwell, is going to be on the podcast with. Uh, for that movie as well. Um, there are some dark Coach Still stories that I will tell. But this one, I think I might have actually been sitting with Megan when this happened. So my sophomore year, I got a, a bad injury the very last play of um, like preseason workouts. And I, I broke my collarbone. I was out for like seven weeks. Um, and so I didn't play, but I was, I was a captain. Like I was still involved in all the practices and all of that. And I remember um, we were, it was the first week of the season. And as freshmen, the thing to do was if you had a girlfriend or a girl that you liked, you would give her your like away team jersey to wear to school that Friday um, before the game and you'd wear the home jersey to school. So everyone knew you guys were together. And we did that as sophomores the first week of the season. I, I gave my jersey to some girl. I don't remember who it is, so I'm sorry if I forgot and you're listening to the podcast now and you recall wearing a 72 uh, as a sophomore. But Coach still pulled us all aside um, before the game. We had a compulsory team meal and prayer because, again, our coaches were all the apostles. Mm-hmm. And he sat us all down and he said, you know, I seem to see a lot of girls uh, walking around school with – away jerseys on this week and you know, maybe I'm crazy I don't remember seeing any of them uh, at our football camp in the summer I don't remember seeing any of them lifting weights with us in the summer uh, they probably don't know our playbook I I look at my my roster here I don't see any of them in our two deeps um, so I'll tell you what if they're going to wear our jerseys, they will start in your place. If you are a starter on this team and there's a girl walking around in this jersey and I see her today and I took notes, you are not starting. You're sitting for the first half of the game. Like, he was a hard ass, but he was the best. I know what? Eric loves him too. He was just like, he was, he was Coach Sowers from King of the Hill. He should sue them for gimmick infringement. Can I ask, Why? were you guys really good at football? That's the no. only yeah, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You were not terrible. You were pretty okay. bad then. Pretty hold bad. on. I will explain. I will explain. My freshman year. We have and, to get back to this podcast. I will get to it. <laughs> right. I'll get to it. Right. Um, my, so my freshman year, uh, we 
And they told us we were never going to remember our records when we get older and blah, blah, blah. I remember all of them. Freshman year, we were six and three. Sophomore year, under coach still, we were seven and two. That team was like legit good. Uh, my junior year, we were one and eight because our Ooh. varsity coach was a goddamn joke. I hated his guts. He didn't know how to coach with our paper bag. Then our senior year, we were seven and two again. We won the conference. We were the first team in the history of our school to go to the playoffs. So okay. we but were good. We were also the only. We were also the first class to go all four years. So that's that's like, right. <laughs> Regardless, we went from one and eight to seven and two sure. in a one yeah. year span. We, and, can, we and, can get into Coach Still on the next one because I'm sure yeah, we have plenty of time. I'm, gonna, I'm taking notes, and I have way more questions. But Like I said, start a spreadsheet. Yeah. Start a spreadsheet. These guys are going to keep on coming back up. But I, I digress. Megan, you were saying? Yes. So <laughs> back to the movie. We're, we're on, like, scene two right now. <laughs> um, so this took me back. So it's basically all of a sudden – after you see, you know, the quarterback and everyone like chill and, and, and smoking and drinking and whatever, then it's a freshman roundup for both the guys and the girls who just graduated eighth grade. I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be like the incoming football players and cheerleaders or just like the cool kids or if it's everyone. Um, when, they, when, they introduce, when they introduced Sabrina, I think she said that she wasn't on the track team. Um, she was like, yeah, I'm nobody. Like I wasn't on, and I, I think she said track. Some no, of these were like truck. So this is the thing truck. where I, I wrote this down where I think like the guys tradition is like all boys. We don't care, which we can talk about the whole tradition for the boys uh-huh. in a minute, a minute, but the girls, it was very selective. And it's like the cool girls had to decide if they thought that you were cool because yeah. like Jody goes over to her and it's like, aren't you with us? And she's like, no, I'm not on the truck. I'm not. and so the girls one is very selective but the boys are like we're beating up all the boys so it was interesting and they definitely chose her and not her friends yes so so megan and megan and dana would you would you go through that if you were incoming (laughs) freshmen so i was in a sorority let's just remember so was i but (laughs) (laughs) i didn't go through that but i went through things yeah Whoa, whoa. Yeah. I mean, Brian's talking about Coach Still. We need to know at least a thing. No, we have to keep moving. And then- <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> wow. Um, Convenient. You know, like, I don't know. Like, thinking about it, like, I also think when I watch, like, for me, as the only non, what was, what's the name of your guys' high school? Miqua, whatever. Miqua. It's a silent U. Okay, as the only one who did not go to that school on this podcast, um, when I look back and watch, like, teen movies, I was like, huh, that seems so interesting. Like, my high school just wasn't, it didn't seem very cool. Like, there were very few parties, or maybe I was a nerd and wasn't invited to them. I don't know. But, like, I just couldn't imagine, like, anything like this happening at my high school and, like, certain people being picked. Like, it just, I I don't think I could, like, ever do that. I barely wanted to be in a sorority, so, like, I'm also... (laughs) not the best judge um but yeah like I couldn't I like, try to think back to like who were the seniors when I was a freshman and I like knew a lot of them because I played sports with them and like I was just kind of like you guys are terrible like I'm pretty like can quickly tell I'm like you're a horrible person I don't want to be around you so like I don't know if I would have gone for this whole freshman roundup thing when I was in eighth grade probably wouldn't have done it yeah it didn't seem like a choice but what was I don't know. What was kind of crazy to me is like, again, as I mentioned, I was in a sorority. 
we're, you know, in, in, in more progressive times, there was like less hazing, but like, it was crazy that this was happening in high school in like an open parking lot um, or just broad wherever. daylight. Yeah. Broad daylight, wherever. And um, who was uh, Mike Newhouse, uh, Adam Goldberg actually had the, the quote of like, it's disgusting that the entire community even the parents seem to be supporting this. <laughs> right. They're all sitting there on their car, like watching and cheering it on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the Texas thing. Like they still I, do the things where they give you like, Oh, I forget what they're called, but like when you go to the homecoming with someone, you wear like this big thing with ribbons and flowers on it, and no, they still rose or something like that. Something like that. like they still do it, and I have like coworkers who are like, "Oh yeah, I still have all of mine from high school," and like it was a very weird conversation once at lunch, hearing people <laughs> who got these big palm rose things, and those who are like, "I didn't get any. My mom tried to make me one, and I told her oh. no." So like I think it's oh, like. This could also just be like none of us are Texas natives, so we don't know. Like, but that's be... true. I, I I did live in Texas for elementary school, and uh, I was in spring outside of Houston, and almost you know I would have my last move ever was to Naperville, so I I could have experienced this life. We had um, a very specific, slightly similar thing that only happened our freshman year. Um, we mentioned in Bring It On that our high school was super, super white. There were a handful of black students, and uh, my freshman year of high school, there was something called Black Freshman Beatdown Week. And I, it never happened again. It was a terrifying experience. Um, you guys listening to the pod don't know. I've been the same size since I was like 13. I'm like 6'2". I vacillate between... 215 and 240. So I've been a huge person since I was little. Um, so they didn't get me in this whole thing. But I remember there was a week where all of a sudden you would have like black juniors and seniors just like chasing down kids in the hall and like dragging them into the bathroom and like beating them up. Mm. And um, there was penny dodging, which you see kind of in this movie where they, they have the scene where the girls are like shooting bottle caps with their fingers. Yeah. Um, I got very good at that with a penny or a quarter or whatever, because that was what was happening to kids during Black Freshman Beatdown Week in 99. And so I, it, it never came back. We didn't do it. We got older. But that was the only kind of corollary that I had to this when we were in high school. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of, um, so I'm going to go into a little bit of what happened. And then, like, in this movie, like, the guys just got chased and paddled, which like, and by paddle, they mean like severely beaten. <laughs> um, the girls though, it was like some sort of crazy, like, I don't know. It, it was all very weird. They had to suck on a pacifier, do air raid drills while the incoming seniors are screaming at them and then drenching them with condiments. And by condiments, I mean like literal bottles of mustard and ketchup. Oh. Squeeze they have like flour as well. Yeah. yeah. And then they have to, they're like called up in the middle of their air raid drills and then have to go propose to the guys that are sitting around watching this and have okay. to basically say like, um, I'll do anything you want and see what happens. And so it's like such a, you, you know, it actually kind of showed a little bit the dichotomy of, um, like women during that time of like, you know, being sort of still 
like the wench, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was very weird. And then it goes into like, so if the guys didn't catch, you know, some of the certain eighth graders, they literally made it part of like their evening to like stalk them and wait. So there's literally key members of the football team are sitting on the side of the baseball field watching Mitch, this eighth grader, finish the game. child. Yeah, so they can literally paddle him. And then Dawson, O'Banion beat the shit out of him. And then finally Pink comes in and rescues him. And so there's, there's kind of like a one sort of incoming senior from both the, the girls and the guy side who sort of like pick, I guess, like a pledged daughter or pledged son is, is the closest thing I can, you know, relate it to if anyone is in the sorority fraternity world. Like somebody that you're like, you're going to haze, but you're going to like then, you know, protect and bring them in and, and be a part of the show. So I was not expecting that. And I just, I felt like it was like so crazy. So um, that really leads into um the the first segment yeah yeah we should uh talk about some of the more problematic elements in this movie a lot of the time um when you're watching movies from this era and especially you know if they're kind of a throwback to an an earlier era you're kind of hit in the face by just how problematic uh some of the culture was at the time so we really should dig into a segment we call what's your problem So a couple of things, that whole thing that I just described, um, <laughs> the whole hazing piece, like, again, like I mentioned, there was like some sort of, I wouldn't call it like hazing, but just like light initiation things, like as part of the dance team and stuff that you did. But like, this was, you know, quite to the extreme. And then this came up and bring it on, but where were all the teachers during the when they were supposed to be in school segment. I have no idea. We saw, we saw one. One. We saw one and she was like the wokest history teacher at history. Cause she was like, never forget. We're learning about, or this year for the bicentennial, we're celebrating the founding fathers who were like misogynistic slave owners. Like she was. Who didn't want to pick AF. <laughs> right she was great and also yeah. we saw um there was a middle school teacher because the mitch and oh, his right. friends yeah. wanted to leave school early to avoid getting their asses whooped this dude had like severe vietnam ptsd and was like well you know when i was in da nang we tried to leave early I'm like okay all right <laughs> why don't you calm down dude but like yeah the teachers were not present the shop teacher was like fast asleep which, if there's one class, you should be awake in. It's wood shop where there are, like, drills going and, like, bandsaws and shit. Yeah. yeah. It just seemed like an interesting juxtaposition because, like, the teachers were, like, last day of school. Nobody cares. But then, like, the coaches were all up in, like, Pink's ass about the pledge. So it just mm-hmm. seemed very, very yeah. different. Um, also... Another thing is sort of the character of Wooderson himself, which he hasn't been quite introduced yet, but um, he essentially is this guy who's years older than these high schoolers, who's just hanging out with high schoolers and just perceived as cool and okay. But like, he's a huge creep. He graduated when they were three, is what three. <laughs> one of the girls said. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, so he's like 32 probably <laughs> at this point or like Matthew I'm McConaughey. I think it's an exaggeration, but let, let's say it is. Let's say he's <laughs> let's say he's 25. Like yeah. he's 25 and not only hitting on like high school juniors that are about to be seniors, we see him hit on girls who are coming into their freshman year. Like there's a legitimate monster. Well, yeah. there are those dudes. I, I, I think Tony. that's a little extreme. But no, like, remember when we were in high school, like, we'd all be hanging out, and then, like, some girl would be like, oh, meet my boyfriend. And it's like, oh, dude, he's, he's like, got, like, a legit job. And he well, has, like, a full beard. Like, and I can't even grow any facial hair. You know what I mean? Like, that just, like, there's always those dudes. Like, I got kids now, and I think that's the one thing I'm going to teach them. It's like, hey, under no circumstances... <laughs> Are you going to be that guy? Once you go to college, stop hanging out with the high school kids. You're done. It's over. And for me, like, the fact that he had zero friends his own age. Right. Like, it'd be one thing if he was a creep and also, like, oh, here's his two or three friends who are also old and they're just kind of townies. He is by himself this entire movie with just teenage kids. Dude, I went to a dance I'm not going to say the girl's name because say her boyfriend, it. no, 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 I'm not, no, 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 because her boyfriend was too old. Her boyfriend was in college and he was too old. Oh, and Tony, it, we and have to know like who this is now. And I was a sophomore. It we was have like, to know. <laughs> I'll tell you off the pot. Oh, you, I'm not telling you on you the pot. You suck. No, no, I'm not, I'm not outing anybody. <laughs> yeah, there is, there are definitely like questions. I feel like you could do like a whole thing on the psyche of Wooderson, but yeah. it's yeah, it's definitely like was he not cool in high school himself? Like what what's going on there? You no know, way like, he was. There's yeah, a lot of things to unpack. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that he looks like Matthew McConaughey though. So like I would have probably been like, oh yes, let's go to well, you know what? Um, he's he's either a guy who was not at all cool in high school, or he's a guy who was like the coolest in high school. Um, I'll pull the Tony Oaks here. I am Facebook friends with like a number of guys who were, for sure, the coolest guys in our graduating class. None of them are doing anything worthwhile now. So, yeah, shots fired, all y'all. Yeah. You know who you are. So yeah, I. I I'm curious if he was a guy who like peaked at 16 and just kind of probably trying to stay there forever. Basically. I will say when I watched this, when I was in middle school and high school, Wooderson was awesome in the movie. Like I viewed him as like, Oh yeah. Badass. Cool. You know, I thought so too. And now watching it now, you're like, but I think maybe that's the point. That's the point. Like you're like, he made uh, Richard Linklater made the movie to be like, Hey, this character, like everybody in the movie, thinks he's cool. But if you're an adult, you're you know you kind of know what's up. Fully nailed it, yeah. And he's got the coolest car too. He, mm-hmm. his... We're we're gonna get into in like yeah. two seconds, but we're that gonna car- unpack the cars. Sweetest. Back to problematic shit though. Yeah. Um, so the last, well, for now, the last major problematic shit is we're about to get into all these scenes of kids driving under the influence. So much. Like, so much. Um, fast. Yeah, which, um, when I first moved to Austin, at one point in the first, like, two years, we lost Uber and Lyft because 
um, there's like a whole big thing and Uber and Lyft was like, I'm not, I'm not doing whatever the rules you want us to do. And then there's like, you know, and the calves at that point were like non-existent because it's four <laughs> years ago. And so like literally the only way you get around and because Austin is like kind of spread out, like you do have to drive more than you would want to. Um, but this was like wild, I guess, um, for me to, to just watch in this day and age. I don't know if anyone else thought about that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, driving under the influence and like it was nothing like it wasn't even like hey man you might have had too many they had that one scene where i think it's don opens his trunk and it's just full of ice and beer yeah <laughs> like this was i will say um so i i live in iowa now um i took sign language all through college and one of our lessons was like how to describe pain um it was just like there's a lot of different ways to tell a story in sign and like explain that you're hurting. And so one of the things that we had to do was get in front of the class and tell a story about a time that we got hurt. Um, I think I told a football story or whatever, but I would say at least half of the kids in my class who were from very small towns in Iowa, their stories were like, so, you know, um, we got my buddy's Jeep, took all the doors off, got real drunk, you know how you always do, and then just drove around the field, and long story short, I flew out of the Jeep and hurt my head. Like, that was a lot of these stories of, like, not we got drunk and then, like, got into a car. Like, we got into the car to drunk drive. Mm. So it seems like that might just be, like, a thing that used to be, like, a regular thing. They call them road uh, road sodas here. Like, if you're if you're a you know, a kid in like rural Iowa and you want to drink and drive, you don't call it beers. I'm having some road sodas. So like, I think that's a thing that just used to be a regular part of life. Yeah. I just think the, the amount of things they were like under the influence of like so much pot is smoked. <laughs> just like so much. Like a lot. I, it's from like 9am until like 4am. And I'm just yeah. like amazed. Maybe I was like, wow, kids, teens can really just do all that. Like, yeah, I don't know. Heck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I used to smoke a little bit in college, it, like one or two, and I'm done. Like, I just could not imagine smoking a joint all day long, oh, drinking a listen, ton of beer, yeah, and driving around. Like, what? listen, let's uh, not, let's Tony, not go crazy. Tony and Dave used to live with me. They and I used to live with DMAC. Well, DMAC isn't the best example. DMAC is basically Slater. <laughs> right. He didn't do it right. But there was a time in my life that I smoked a lot. Like, a lot. And I, I could for sure, there were days that it would be like, and I'm an early riser, so like 6 in the morning up until like whatever bedtime was. But I didn't smoke until I was in college. So I can't imagine like high school me trying to pull that off and be functional at all. Did you also drink like a ton of they're no name beers but i'm gonna say because it's sexist like lone stars or Pearl. it was lone star for sure yeah like or Pearl, mm-hmm. pearls a more local one but like were you also smoking all day and then also drinking as many light beers as you possibly could oh, that's, no. see that's yeah, it's no. the two together right. that i'm amazed well done children yeah. of taste and confused to- the wild yeah. all right well i'm gonna t- i'm gonna take us back <laughs> 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 so we're ge- we're getting into where everyone's driving around under the influence because they're prepping for the big high school party. 
Um, so there's supposed to be a huge kegger at Kevin's house, who is, by the way, the biggest pothead I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually how he is in real life. Um, the, the actor who played him. And so they pull up to Top Notch Hamburgers, which is a current Austin staple um, and definitely a place that I would say is where you would go to pre or post party, um, probably in college or, or high school. Um, mostly post party because in my opinion, it's not that great. <laughs> I dispute. Call, I'm calling Ooh. shenanigans Ooh. on that. I think shenanigans. Those burgers, those burgers. <laughs> But have you had their fries? They are, in fact, soggy. As I do sweet potato. Sweet potato fries are delicious. I think their milkshakes are great. They do delicious fried chicken. I don't, I don't know what Megan's talking about. Top Notch is amazing. Oh, anyway. my. But, oh, one, one other fact about Top Notch. O'Banion's broken paddle is hanging out by the cash register. So That's great. Oh, that's, nice. that's fun. I like that. Yeah. Nice. Pop in and take a look. Yeah, I mean, maybe now I need to go back so I can see that and understand it. Regardless, um, Kevin, who we just talked about, is the big stoner. He is an idiot because he had the <laughs> eggs delivered to his parents' house before they went out of town. And his dad was like, wait a second, are you trying to throw a big party here? And he's like, no. And his dad's <laughs> like, yeah, we're not going to go out of town. Um, so instead, everyone just decides to sort of drive around and hang out. And so there's like sort of this chain of like, if you're in the know, you, I guess, get the information quickly. I don't really know exactly how that happens. because A lot of word of mouth. A lot of word of mouth. So anyway, then we get into this, a, a ton of scenes where everyone's just driving around. And my biggest question was, why does everyone have such incredibly cool cars? And can we, can we dig into this, Dave? So impressive, the number of muscle cars that are being driven around. These are top-of-the-line vehicles in the 70s, and these kids have them. It's almost like it's almost infuriating. Like, is this a rich kid's school? Because um, uh, no, well, the houses no, were pretty nice. No, that's that's the thing. I'm I'm thinking that this was a this was the rich kid's school, and these were all well-to-do children. Uh, but Wooderson's car is my favorite. He's I don't know if he's necessarily a rich kid per se he, he had a 1970s chevrolet chevelle ss 454 um the uh pink's car is probably the least cool uh, el camino it's 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 the el camino i mean it's like a pickup truck if you don't want to have to climb too high up off the ground to get in there it's um, half car half truck half car half truck and they thought that that was cool back then and i've seen some today that are still kind of cool if they're restored properly um o'banion's car is probably my second favorite in the movie. It's a 73 Plymouth Duster because anything called yeah. a dust is pretty cool. Primer um, gray. It's got that primer gray, yeah, where you'd run your hand across it and it would make that <laughs> sound. It's one of my favorite sounds. Uh, but Pickford's car, that orange, that bright orange, loud, ridiculous car with that, uh, I don't know what you call that thing on the hood. The hood's got like holes in it oh, for the engine oh. to get more air in there. Listen, is it listen. Intake? Let me dig into that one. So, so that's yeah. a uh, that's a, a '69 GTO Judge. The um, Judge GTO yeah. is already like the top of the line uh, for a Pontiac. Like a, a GTO is above a Trans Am at the time, for and sure. the Judge was like the finest car that Pontiac produced at the time. Mm -hmm. I, I pulled a Dave Hernandez here and did some research. Oh yeah, uh, 
So a 69 GTO judge, which is what he had with the, the Ram Air hood on it, uh, original MSRP was $800 below a Corvette. Like mm. you're driving like a supercar at yeah. 16, 17 years old. Yeah. I saw the judge and I'm like, all right, like these kids are all billionaires apparently. Well, I, no. I will, I will say, I think like back in the day, like my dad told me a story about how he worked two jobs while in high school, all just to get a car. And I was okay. like, did you ever like work two jobs again? And he goes, Oh no, oh, no. It was, it was just <laughs> to get the car. And I was like, well, what about, you know, like when like I was young and I, you know, and like mom was like out of work because she had to rate. No, no. One job. Just to get the car. I already had the car, Tony. One job. Yeah. Car, two two jobs, everything else, including you, one job. But again, I think like back in the day when you were younger and this was when he was in high school, I think that was the thing that like everybody kind of saved up for. Like all, all dudes. I mean, again, though, these cars are part of the cheat code, right? They have a cheat code here. Yeah. They know that the judge is something that holds up in, in memory. They know that an El Camino, my dad drove an El Camino um, up until I was in, like, first grade or whatever, a company car. But his El Camino was badass. Yeah. They know that the Chevelle SS and the Duster, like, these are cars that they know hold up in the psyche. Whereas if this was made at the time, somebody is going to be driving like a wagoneer, like the, you know, the wood paneled station wagon. Someone's probably going to have like some kind of like a Lincoln sedan, you know, but like they have the, the benefit of knowing in the future, people are going to freak out when they see these cars in this movie. Let's put them all in there. They had some sweet Chevys from the fifties, a bunch of uh, F1 pickup trucks. And oh, yeah. The full variety of all, all sorts of classic American cars were on full display. So to be able to answer that question, like we, we don't really know. Are the parents cool? <laughs> they, they might be. Uh, did, did the kids take two or three jobs to get the car? Apparently, according to Tony, that, that was a definitely a, a, a thing as well. Was there affordable financing at the time? You could get a really nice car and pay it off over time. We really, we really have no clue. Well, you guys are saying uh, Pickford's car was the coolest. He's also like the weed dealer. So like that's how he bought the go. car. Boom. Yeah. Good point. Absolutely. Solved it, guys. Solved it. No, that yeah. facts. Yeah. Back then was like a $4,000 car, which in 2020 dollars is somewhere around $24,000. So yeah, that was a, that was a big time car. That was a lot it's of my current the car that my dad saved up for was like, he told me it was like $3,000. And I was like, yeah. what? You worked two jobs for a three thousand dollar car, and he goes, "Oh yeah, and it was totally worth it." I made like four dollars an hour, Tony. Yeah, yeah, three dollars an hour. Yeah. Anyways, go on. Sorry. All right. Well, back back to the movie. So all these amazing cars are driving around, and people are just getting hammered and driving them around like nobody's business. Um, then we kind of interject. This is where we really get introduced to Wooderson. Um, as we get into the pool hall that apparently is open to high schoolers and also middle schoolers. Since and grown-ass men at Wooderson's there. Yeah. <laughs> since they're technically in eighth grade, some of these people. Um, and Dana mentioned earlier, wh- what is that? What is Austin? It's the Violet Crown Shopping Center where the barbecue place uh, style switch is. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, it's like the up Emporium. On, yeah, yeah, it's up on North Lamar, like top-notch 
Oh, Top Notch is on Burn It. Sorry, for people who don't live in Austin, you're going to love this. But <laughs> Top Notch is in Burn It. And then uh, the pool hall's like the next big block boulevard over um, on North Lamar. But they're like not far from each other. So you can yeah. be Which, cruising back and forth all Which, night. by the way, is in the same area that Dana and I both um, lived at for a little bit. Which mm. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Central um, Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so this is where we get introduced to some of the initial first few iconic lines from the movie. This is a new segment that we really should have had going back to bring it on, I feel like, but we're gonna have it moving forward here. We're gonna call it Potent Quotables. What did you say? So um, I'll start with a couple that I wrote down, but um, obviously, Wooderson's All Right, All Right, All Right. Um, there I feel like was... McC McConaughey got a lot of his uh, lifetime quotes in this movie. Like, I didn't realize that All Right, All Right, All Right is in here. Uh, and Megan, I know you have this one later, but the, like the Just Keep Living. Like, yeah. <laughs> And that, like, that's it. Like, he's run his whole career off of, like, those two <laughs> phrases. And it was like, stroke of genius, Matthew McConaughey. I did not know. Like, yeah, that's his whole, that's his whole thing. He right? has that's been in this character since this movie. Oh, 100%. And, like, do you have a joint? No, not on me. Well, it'd be a lot cooler if you did. Like, <laughs> right? I, I be a lot cooler quote. if you did. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that quote before I knew it was even by Wooderson. From this movie. Yeah, that's a, a good lot. For, for me, the key Wooderson quote of all time, and I, I'd like to see if you guys disagree here. That's what I love about these high school girls. I get older and they say the same age. Yes, they, <laughs> yes, they, do. they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> like, it is such a creepy thing to say, but like that is the, the quotable line of this movie for me, for sure. I. I, uh, a couple I, I just put down was Slater, like, how you doing Slater son? And he goes, well, fixing to be a lot better, man, <laughs> which dude, like living with potheads, you just were like, oh my God, that, like, that would be, that was my life. I'd come home and how you guys doing? I'd, I'd hear that line. Um, oh, we for sure said that to you a number of times. Yeah. You got back yeah. your fixing, <laughs> fixing to be a lot better tone. Um, and then the other one that just kills me is during the, the the female hazing scene where Parker Posey is like goes to the freshman girls, you love us, smile, you love us. <laughs> it is just the worst bitchy line of all time. She has another good one where she says, wipe that face off your face. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great line. Dude, she um, nails it. She totally nails it. Yeah, she she's great. Uh this movie is just like super quotable. There's so many, the whole monologue where Slater is talking about um, George Washington, how Martha Washington was like a hip, hip chick. Yeah. There's a oh. lot in here. <laughs> Wait, but the background of that one. So like, I don't like, obviously it's podcast. We don't have the visual, but the whole entire time Slater is doing that speech. They keep cutting back and forth between him and other parts of the party. But someone in the background is like running into the back of a car, falling over, is like rolling around <laughs> on the ground. People are like checking the pulse. Like someone is like very drunk and passes out in the background of Slater's like really intense George Washington speech. Mm. It's so like, it was it's hilarious. so good. I like, was, died. 
There's one other one uh, that I know for a fact Dave and I have said a trillion times. Um, it's yeah. originally said by Slater, and it's commented on by Pickford. Dave, can you guess what it is? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> <laughs> we said that so often. Oh. Oh. Oh my God! Such a good line, such a good line, and inappropriately he gets made fun of right after saying it. Like right <laughs> after in the movie, like, why you gotta be such? Yeah, why you always gotta say that? We're we're also getting a cut to the middle school dance because apparently th- this is a jam packed day for the middle schools. They have yeah. last day of school, their last baseball and sporting games then somehow had time to like run around and then there's this middle school dance. I'm not really sure, but anyway, we we just have to take a minute because the way that they're setting up this middle school dance when you, um, when they kind of like hone in on the room, there's people dancing like at the distance, you know, where it's like your arms are reaching like barely to touch their shoulder, the other guy's shoulders. Leave room for Jesus. Oh yeah. The girls are like, a foot taller than the dudes, which um, Crooks mentioned that he's been sort of the same size since what sixth grade. Yeah, I I, I haven't been under two hundred pounds since seventh grade. Yeah, so I've also been generally the same size since the sixth grade. Which fact? Yeah, as a girl, I was like five five. Um, I was skinnier back then, so but like I was five five in like sixth grade, and so. You know, at best, there were maybe like two guys that were my height. <laughs> it was me and Tim Uri. Right, exactly. Which I, <laughs> I dated Tim Uri for a hot second. Well, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so, so it, that was great. And I was like, yes, I totally get this. And then all of a sudden, you get to this like makeout room that's behind the curtain. Bro. What was that? What? <laughs> what was that? I'm like, that's not. I was like, this is where I've, I've been lost. There was a lava lamp in there and blacklight posters. Yeah. And like, no adult. Yeah. I was like, oh, this dance is kind of cute. And then the makeout room. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I had to write that down. I was like, what? <laughs> we, should, we should talk about. So, um, Megan, Tony, uh, Dave, and I all went to the same middle school as well. Tony, I think you were just there for what, eighth grade? And that's it? Just eighth grade. Okay. So you we had. Ahead. You were with yeah. I Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with days and confused, but it has So, so we had dances at our middle school. They called them gigs. Um, yeah, man. You go to the gigs. They were not this. Uh, gigs were super well lit. Um, there was <laughs> basketball in the gym. Uh, for sure, nobody made out. Um, my first ever heartbreak was at a gig, as we will discuss, I think, a lot moving forward. I was like a full-blown girl-crazy wreck all through middle school and high school. And I can remember very vividly, like a sixth-grade gig, the girl that I wanted to dance with uh, danced and made out with um, Dave Lenart or Lenart. Oh. Yep. Well, there was, was making one. out going on. Well, I mean, listen, my memory says they made out. Probably it was a peck. But... In my mind, they were just like full on going at it on the dance floor. I know they weren't, but our, the gig was was a far, far cry from this. It seems like we kind of screwed things up as time went on. Yeah, we, we gotta we gotta address though how the the one kid is actually like the least attractive of the young kids. <laughs> 
is actually like making out, and like the more attractive friends are like, no, no, dude, you need to stop. He had like, the most personality, Tony. He had the most personality. Yeah. Well, I, Brian Crooks had the best line, which like I adopted, but I just didn't have. I wasn't bras enough to say it. Is bros before hoes is a high school thing. Yeah. I will call you guys tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Listen, we were we were as tight as could be. We were thick as thieves. And then we got to college. And I'm like, man, I will see you guys tomorrow. Like, And you know what? You will see me tomorrow. There's no reason for us to, like, I, I would never go and pull you away from a girl and be like, Tony, it's time to go home. I'd right. be like, all right, we will right. call Tony in the morning. Good luck. Yeah, but this is like eighth grade. I wish I had the rule back then. But yeah. like, but there's a that thing, lame, right? You know? There's a thing. When you're the, uh, the every group has a least attractive person in the group, and I'm if the least builder. damn Tony, just but no, but yeah. just I mean, it's just real. <laughs> and it's like if if the least attractive person is is getting lucky, even in eighth grade, I think everybody has to be like, dude, give him his night. I don't I think, think this guy's getting a lot of grade. nights. Yeah. 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 yeah, I wrote that down as well, and I was just like, "Why are they?" He's like, "Cause they like think, oh, we're gonna go hang out with high school girls, and they're gonna do more." And it's like the high school girls aren't gonna hook up with you, like if you're not. Why hanging, did he go yeah. with them? I could see them being like, "All right, it's time to go," and I'm like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah. Like they yeah. even said, "He's like, hey guys, I was getting there," and they were like, "You weren't getting anywhere." Like, no, you weren't getting anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Just felt bad. Just felt yeah. bad for the yeah. for the kid, even in the movie. You know, just felt and then, bad. And then also, it's opening them up to then be leaving and getting out into the world where these guys, these seniors, are going to like literally beat their ass. Yeah, so they're they're walking into the purge. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And then the girls show up. They start peacocking. Blah blah. Like. Um, and then, so then there's a lot of other driving around under the influence. And um, Can I ask, what is peacocking? I saw that oh. in the notes, and I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Tony, did you not watch Pickup Artist? We've talked about, uh, what was his name, Mystery, a couple yeah. times on this podcast so far. Peacocking is if you are a guy and you wear, like, a big dumb hat or, like, uh-huh like an absurd medallion so that you stand out amongst all the other guys as a peacock would with his peacock. Ah. ah. <laughs> right. Okay. You learn something every day. You've yeah. probably done it before and not realized it. Oh, for sure he has. No. Did the Eric's wedding with tight-ass pants? That, that, that was not peacocking. That was my wife thought things. My wife still thinks I look good in skinny jeans. And I you did. didn't look good then. Ooh, we roasted. Anyways, go on. Let's let's move on. Nobody <laughs> needs to know about my plan. So anyway, um, the next scene, Mitch and Wooderson, they pull into a gas station. I was trying to now at this point kind of pinpoint like where in Austin I thought it was. I thought it was the east side, which is kind of the up and coming area. But it's literally the gas station is a stone's throw from where I first um, lived the first year I moved in Austin, where. Dana like lived down the street from me. Um, the one on uh, medical, not to, again, not why? to do this to people who don't live it off. Oh, okay, <laughs> I know exactly. I could walk yeah. there from one of my jobs. Yeah, yeah. I, exactly I was like, what? what? Um, anyway, so then the thirteen-year-old, which I think is what 
an eighth grader. He'd be like 14. 13, 14. 14. I was 13 the last day of eighth grade, but I was yeah. 14 like two weeks later. Okay, uh, fine. 14 year old Mitch pretends to be 18 because again, at this time you have to be 18 to buy beer. Goes inside, steals Wooderson's line, basically about kind of being older and cooler, and then he doesn't get carded, so he walks out the six pack. Wait, wait, before that though, okay, I wrote this down because before he gets that six pack, there's a pregnant woman smoking a cigarette, buying booze, and the guy who sells it to her goes, see you tomorrow night. And I'm like, what? He's like, make sure you get a lot of food because that kid's going to be hungry or something. Like, yeah. Uh, it's like very much a throwaway moment so good yeah i was like is the insinuation that she's just going to be back in the liquor store tomorrow i don't know i had a lot of questions but we don't have to go too far but i just had to point out pregnant lady Uh smoking buying a whole bottle there's a there's a scene in um mad men where they're at like don and betty's house and i think this is you know betty's pregnant and there's like 12 pregnant women just like chain smoking and drinking like margaritas Shit. Mart- so yeah, martinis. Martinis, right? So they're very much trying to put us into this was a thing at the time. Yeah, I, I don't know if this was a thing at the time. My brothers were born in 1976. I'm pretty sure <laughs> my mom. She might have been smoking. She might have given it up, but I don't think she was drinking. I should have I mean, asked. She wasn't for, cool, man. I guess she just mm-hmm. wasn't a hip lady. But I just had <laughs> to. Yeah, it just caught my attention. I had to, had to mention it. Um. Anyway, so then Fred. Obviously, tracks down the eighth. Oh, Banyan! No one knows. What is this? Was Scooby Doo? Yeah. <laughs> O'Banion tracks down the eighth graders who left the dance because they're a bunch of idiots. Um, they get a, the ugly guy gets a beat down instead of getting made out with, which sorry, guy. Or Hirschfelder. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then later we cut back to um, the the pool hall. And they, all of a sudden, there's, like, this whole scheme in which they, like, dump paint on Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, which, this guy has been probably the scariest of all of the characters if I'm an eighth grader and in high school. And, like, you do not want to be on the wrong side of him. Like We haven't dug into it. He's a violent psychopath. Yeah. Like, let's take a minute to dig into him. And, like, what the fuck were they thinking? He is... Very violent. He takes more pleasure than anybody else in like beating these children. At one point, they point out that he like got held back or he failed out of his senior year and had to do it again. And they're like, well, he flunked out, so he gets to be an asshole twice. Like, they have the scene in the beginning where they paddle the kids after the baseball game, which, frankly, I like the family guy version of this scene better. They do like a shot for shot direct like family guy version of this scene with the same song playing in the background and all that he is terrifying everyone else is like in it for the fun and oh we did this and so we're gonna get you now and it's fun and i thought it was very sweet that after the beating and after all the haze and they take the kids out and get them drunk and have a good night obanion just seems like he's in it to severely injure as many young children as he can like he's a terrifying person but isn't it kind of the role ben affleck was born to play yes, yes. yeah like 100 rats it's the same character exactly and like it's like what is a what role has he been better in? like to be 100 percent honest like i'm not trying to hate on ben affleck's career the town <laughs> yeah but like <laughs> would you, if you say ben affleck do you really think the town i think obedian 
I think O'Banion. Yeah, for sure. Or that kind of cocky, I look, he just has the best look down on other people look. Yeah, and with that hair in this movie especially, too. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I think of Dogma, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, Dogma's so great. Which Goodwill Hunting, he was basically the same character. Right. Um, and Goodwill Hunting's more Matt Damon, let's just be real. Yeah. Same with Dogma. What about Pearl Harbor? Yeah. Cool. Never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Never need saw to. Pearl Harbor. Right. Never saw Don't that. need to see Pearl Harbor. <laughs> so bad. Anyway, he plays a different character in Pearl Harbor. Let's just say. <laughs> and it I mean, the work. one thing I guess is maybe Armageddon. <laughs> like Armageddon. If, if, oh, get if out that's, of here. Yeah, if that's your thing. If that's your thing and you're like Ben Affleck, Armageddon, fine. That's your thing. But that, dude, the, O'Banion, that's his role. Yeah. yeah. He was so good in that. He was there's, legit scary. There's a lot of pain behind O'Banion, I think. If, 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 if he got like a standalone kind of spinoff movie, just, just about him, we'd, I think we'd find out that there's a lot of troubling home stuff going on. That's why he likes to inflict as much pain to try and reflect from what he's feeling on the inside. It would, it would be like um, Jay Sherman's student film from The Critic, if you guys saw that. Dave, I know you recall, with, oh no, Prometheus. <laughs> Prometheus. Prometheus right. Sherman. The last man on earth. Yeah, you that would be O'Banion's standalone film, I feel like. Yeah, man. Um, well, back to lighter topics. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They so the rest of the crew has decided they want to have a party at the moon tower, which again, I'm just gonna put a little Austin trivia in here. Um, moon towers are kind of a big thing in Austin and they're actually very old. And there's I don't know if it still exists, but um, one of the first, so Dana and I met in Austin on a, at a run club. Um, I did not run like at any point in my life until I think maybe like 28, 29. <laughs> um, and then I think my first like 5K, which I thought by the way, was five miles. It's not. Um, <laughs> the silent K and mile. Exactly. Um, was I think when I was like 29 and I was like terrified anyway. So I moved to Austin and I was like, well, the only thing I know is there's this run club. So Jane and I met there, but then a bunch of us people from the run club decided to sign up for this moon tower 10 K. Well, it was like, you could do a five K you could do a six K you could do a seven K eight K 10 K. Like, um, and there were different routes and you ran to different like moon towers downtown. Dana, did you run this one with me and Colleen in which we took shots of tequila at oh Miles? Boy. There were shots of tequila in Fireball. I, I think yes. I might have uh, taken, a, taken a sip of the tequila. But yeah, like there was, you just ran from Moon Tower to Moon Tower, which sounds really cool. But Austin is very hilly. So like, and the Moon Towers are kind of at the top of a lot of the hills. So it was quite grueling. And then, yeah, randomly throughout the, like the, the race or the run there'd just be alcohol which again sounds really cool and nice except like you're running randomly all over the hills of austin and yeah like the fireball i was like no i'll watch i'm okay and yeah it was kind of crazy it was rough i mean like it made mile number five really great but made mile number six suck um but anyway a little bit of history they're the only surviving moon towers in the world really Yes. Huh. Um, and so well, they're, they're basically now these like huge kind of landmarks. Um, oh, cool. 
you're out. That off. checks out. Yeah. Anyway, so they're going to have a party at the moon, t- moon Tower. Which one? Not sure. The one in the woods. Party at the Moon Tower. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a quick way to like explain why it's so well lit at this party because it's under yes. a moon tower. So like, I think it just explains away the fact that like you can actually see what's happening. Yeah, because um, if it was regular wood, this would be like a Blair Witch scene. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, we didn't explain this. A moon tower is like these lamps. So it's like old ways of kind of like lighting up the city. Oh. Well, isn't yeah. that like what you want to be away from if you're like illegally drinking and doing drugs? Not like seventy six, apparently. No. The big, the big spot. I, I'd be. I want to be away from the big spotlight. Nah, just have it right under the big spotlight. Yeah. Hey, cops. These cops don't care. You guys are doing a great job. <laughs> they don't mind me. Just uh, tell my weed guy to like. Hey, I'll be at this moon tower, not the moon tower that's like a mile away. Tell oh, them this. There's a lot of shit going down in this moon tower in in the woods. Um, one thing that I wrote down though, was there was kind of this group of like, that was supposed to be like the smart kids, the nerds who were like kind of venturing out. Um, Where I would have belonged in high school. Yeah. Cynthia, Tony, (laughs) Mike, which yeah, basically was us three. Um, but anyway, one of them wants to like fight the Judith entrance. And then like this whole thing then all of a starts becoming about like how he's going to like lead up to this fight. Um, and then Witterson comes in, breaks up the fight, and then gets Cynthia's phone number, which... Well, well, hold on. So so Mike, the nerd, doesn't yep. really want to fight Clint. We only saw Clint in one scene before this, when he was talking about his car, and his car is faster than Witterson's car. And so we kind of understand he's kind of a gearhead, and he's kind of like a macho dude. Mike doesn't really want to fight Clint. He's like, he's walking into the party in the woods, and... It makes an offhand comment that someone's token reefer. Um, and then Clint, who is like the world's most aggressive pothead, like blows up at him for that, like really gets in his face and wants to beat him up. As we mentioned, for a chunk of my life, I smoked a lot of weed. And at no point have I ever wanted to fight anybody after that. I mean, Tony, Dave, you guys can't attest to that. I was pretty mellow and just like wanted to watch cartoons and I mean, the day that Dave brought home the Daria box set was like the best uh, day of life. We, we watched so many episodes in one day. What a That's day, so Quinn. So, you know, like, Quinn. So, but I, the fact that he was like that aggressive, when I was in that mindset, if somebody was like, oh, someone's talking to you, Fred, like, oh no, I've been caught. I better play it cool. Like, Clint was there to like fight. And I think that humiliation that Mike suffered kind of in that moment of this guy really kind of bigfooting him, just kept building and building as the night went on to the point that he's like, well, I'm just going to punch him once because in this kind of a setting, a fight is only one punch, they'll pull us apart, whatever. Like, I feel like he didn't want to be there in the first place. Uh, Cynthia wanted to go there because she was trying to have sex with a grown man named Wooderson. Hey, and it was kind of that was not her intention. What? Uh, that was 100% no. her intention. Oh, I yeah. thought originally they just wanted to go to the party, but did they? No. Meet? Yeah, okay. they were at the at, they were at the drive-in. They were at to get the. Um, oh, that's right. Okay. Top-notch. All right, yeah. I was trying to cut Cynthia some slack, y'all. No. All right. No, no. Okay. She, okay. She was she was like, I'm down to clown with this guy, and so kind of dragged her friends along. Um, 
And in the movie, he looks like Matthew McConaughey, you know, because he's Matthew McConaughey. So <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, I I don't think any slack needs to be cut for Cynthia. Well, and she and she's kind of a nerd. Thank you, Tony. Thank yeah, you. right. I, I get it. She's I'm kind of side, a nerd. Dude. Like as we said, she's high school Megan, and I could see high school Megan being hit <laughs> on by a guy. Who's my hair did like not that. look like that. In high Your hair did not look like that. That's true. Mm. Her hair was a sight to behold. But curly, like, curly. Yeah, she was curly too. And so, like, mm. I could see how a girl who didn't seem to be like that popular with the boys would get hit on by Wooderson and his cool ass car, and be like, "You guys, like." clear the lane i'm going in oh, yeah. but yeah that's that's why they were there was so that she could get her dick wet what? <laughs> what? I, I mean I, I wouldn't use those words but i do agree with brian <laughs> <laughs> yeah. those are words definitely i'll admit to that those are words no if okay so like if you're if you're the girl's friend are you like do you say something to her or are you kind of like hey she knows what she's doing I say something to cover my ass. I'm like, I want to go on record. This is not cool. He's a child molester. You're going to do it anyway, but I need to clear my own conscience by saying, watch out for this guy. I mean, yeah, he does look like Matthew McConaughey, Brian. He yeah. has true. I feel like she knows, though, because like Pink seems pretty cool with Wooderson, yeah. and they're cool with Pink. So like, yeah. I think she gets what she's stepping into. Yeah, she knew what was, this was. This was not... Um, kind of like a setup. We talked about Sabrina earlier, the incoming freshman. I feel like the Tony character, who's the blonde nerd, uh, does kind of snowball her here. Because he's like, in the beginning, he's like, oh, you don't have to do this. This is so humiliating. Like, what do I say? By the end of the movie, he has like groomed this child to hook up with him. That, to me, I think was like more... Oh, that's a little strong. Am I lying? Groomed is a little strong. Yo, yeah. he groomed. They make out at the end of the movie. But she mm. came over to him at the party. Because she, she was groomed. No. He says one nice thing to her, and that's grooming her? Wow. Yes. Wait. Interesting to see how your brain works. Not nah, wait, though. Listen, she's wait. 13. He's, he's 17. Does, okay, she's 14. He's a grown man. But the grooming, I mean, okay, wait. It starts at the, the female hazing. It starts yes. in the day. This took all day. Maybe you are onto something. Yeah, he like, walks up is... on her and he's like, "Hey, remember me from earlier? Like, I'm that guy. Like, he, th- this, I... this was. I, I feel like he had a plan from the beginning. And Tony and was executed. there. He was at the hazing. He yep. hated it, but she he was, was there. She was the girl that made propose to him, and he was playing it off like, "Oh boy, this is so embarrassing. I don't know how to handle this." And yeah, by the end of it, he's like, "Take them pants off." Okay, can I interject though? Yes. She was actually being very strategic and trying to climb the ladder. Oh, she was. 100%. She was playing along as well. She, they were in it for their own things. Right. So I don't think she was groomed. I think she was being strategic. That's as, fair. As somebody who's been in that place in the past. You, yeah, that goes back to Megan's uh, 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 sorority history, which she won't talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I I need to rewatch the movie just for those takes because I did yeah. not get that from those movies either. The str- the, the strategery 
or the grooming. Watch Need to in, the, in the beginning, in the beginning, he's very much like, I'm not okay with this. This is so uncomfortable. How do I handle this? By the end of it, he's basically like, you're so special, baby. Like, this shit is gross. Yes, and she, she, is, she is playing along for her own purposes, which I will not judge. Um, and of all the guys, like, he is the least threatening of the guys who she could have hooked up with, which is part of the groom. I will no. die on this hill. I've never seen Tony from that perspective. Um, no, I think that's, you took something that was seemed so innocent and wholesome and uh-huh. you tarnished it. That's and, what I do, baby. Oh. Yeah, but it, it deserves a rewatch. <laughs> I, I, I'm still siding with Dana, but I need to rewatch to confirm. Yeah, watch it again. Watch his I, first scene and the last scene and tell me he did not plan this with the beginning. I, as somebody who went to a junior prom as a sophomore, Ooh, I think fancy. more in her camp. Whoa. Fair. Listen, listen. She she was she was groomed, and I think she was okay being groomed. I I don't feel comfortable with how often you're saying the word "groomed." Well, I just don't. We should move on. I don't want. Yeah, she was predated. I I think that might be worse. I think you found a worse word. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Move on. Um. Anyway, so Cynthia gets Wooderson's phone number and. Then, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that happened in this party. I don't think any of it really mattered. Does anyone have really. anything else? Yeah. Uh, just, just the little bit where um, Darla, uh, Parker Posey, kind of comes up and tries to make Sabrina do um, another air raid drill. But that's, that's the only like, meaningful thing that happens, I think, in this whole party. I think we're also forgetting Mitch comes off as a cool guy. Oh, so yeah. Stuff. We've like totally forgotten about Mitch, which is fine. Cause, like, He's honestly, forgetting. Yeah. Um, apparently my boyfriend was telling me we were watching it um, and I've always noticed it as well but there's a drinking game around the number of time Mitch touches his face or nose because yep. that's, that's his acting like crutch um, yes Dave so yeah. and I did that a lot too we were, we were we made fun of Mitch I think a lot without realizing making fun of Mitch but like anytime he's upset or bothered or embarrassed his one go-to move is like pinch the bridge of his nose and like shut his eyes and tilt his head a little bit for sure you'd black out if you played a drinking game like that yeah but you know mitch gets the girl comes off looking real cool for some reason unclear to me but i feel like we couldn't we've given very little time to bitch so i'm just gonna say we're gonna come back to mitch at the end okay okay my apologies um anyways so then we kind of switch scenes over to the football field because that's where you should go a locked football field on school property in which the coaches are trying to get you to sign a pledge to not drink and oh, yeah. smoke. That is exactly where you should go when you're plastered and want to continue drinking and smoking. At four in the morning. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. So then, of, of course, it's like Wooderson, it's Pink, it's Simone. Is it Jody? No. Jody is there, yeah. No, it's Siobhan. Oh, no, Jody's gone. Oh, Jody's not there. That's right, it's Siobhan. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Um, anyway, so Pink says, oh, you know, go grab something in my truck. And Wooderson comes back um, and he has found the pledge that Pink has to sign. And so while the rest of the crew is like dicking around on the field, um, he like reads the pledge aloud and then just kind of has this moment of, as we mentioned earlier, of just saying, just keep on living. L-I-V-I-N. Yeah. 
And Pink's like, I don't know if I should sign it. It's stupid, blah, blah, blah. And Simone's like, you're the king of the school. You can get away with whatever you want. Why are you even talking about this? Um, and then, of course, um, the cops show up. And then they're like, we have to call the coach, which if I'm a coach and getting called at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. <laughs> time is to like deal with the guy who I'm like trying to get to not drink um, drinking on my fields in the middle of the night. Like I am outraged. I'm so mad. And the coach is literally, he pulls up in his um, truck and is like, why, what are you doing? Let's wipe the slate clean, sign a new commitment, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, these people are going to get their asses handed to them. Coach quarterback with nunchucks. He's no. a quarterback. He's I a quarterback. He is a quarterback. Like, do you ever watch, like, Last Chance You? Yes, I love that show. Like, I, I, I hate the coaches, like, all seasons. Um, and even, like, all the hard-ass coaches, once they talk to the quarterback, are like, hey, uh, can you do this, please? <laughs> like, I know, like, I yelled at the whole team. I, I wasn't really yelling at you, quarterback. Hey, quarterbacks are special. Yeah. There, pro- there are, like, definitely within, like, certain sports, like, this positions where you're, like, no one else can do this. Uh, I'm going to cut you slack. Like, yeah, for you sure. Get to, you get to flaunt the rules because I can't replace you. So it definitely happens. Not great. It definitely happens. For sure. I guess. I mean, and he literally turns to the coach and says, listen, I'm going to play ball, but I'll never sign that. And the coach and like, one- literally throws the crumpled up paper Man. at the coach. And the coach is just, like, Okay, and drives away. Like, <laughs> what? If that happened in high school, somebody, a voiceover somewhere would have gone, finish him. And then <laughs> Coach Dill would have, like, pulled out my spine or something. I feel like even, like, Coach K or Coach Chambers. Oh, like, Coach Chambers would not play along with that. They would not have that. No. They're the Chambers nice arms for hours afterward. Yeah. Side question. What does playing football on Pink's terms really mean? Like, does he not have to go to practice? I'm going to show up does high he, at practice, I think is what you're saying. Does, like, does he get to show up high? Is that <laughs> that's what it is? Like, I really didn't know. I do what I feel like. You can go to, like, parties and not get punished for it. Yeah, that's what I think. Okay, okay. All right. Um, and then, so, before we get into the segments, I'm just going to go to the last kind of scene, which – Again, for me, is a little bit problematic. I mentioned in the Bring It On episode that I had a little brother in high school. Well, I, little, I still have a little brother, but I had a little brother <laughs> in high school. was five years younger than me, so it was in eighth grade. And, um, and so I literally this sort of the same kind of time frame of like Jody and um, Mitch. Um, and so Jody tells mom, like, be easy on him. He got beat up today, whatever. And so Mitch strolls in after making out with, like, the older chick in the park. <laughs> strolls in at, like, 4 a.m. and mom, sunny outside. It's, like, 5 or 6. Yeah. And mom is like, oh, how are you doing? I heard you had a rough night. Have you been drinking? Oh, no. Okay. And like, he's really stoned out of his mind, wasted. He, like, basically just walks past her, goes into his room, closes the door. She, like, checks in. 
and is like, oh, are you okay? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to bed. Like, he almost I'm, can't speak because yeah. she's like, well, are you, are you drunk? And he's like, Pfft. yeah, like words are not even. That's it. And so, um, I, this is just like my, my soapbox because I feel like a, the younger brother always gets away with everything. Mm-hmm. And, and yes. he, um, you know, like when I was in high school or even middle school, it doesn't matter what I was doing. Like if I was at a sleepover or staying up too late or whatever, like my mom would take those opportunities where she knew I didn't really sleep the night before or had been kind of getting into something where it was like, you know, on the edge of bad. And she would <laughs> like put me through the ringer the next day. She'd be like, oh, well, you today is like the day that you need to like mow the lawn and run on these errands and like drive your brother around. And so, I don't know, the fact that the little brother just gets to like go in the room and be like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep for the rest of the Saturday, like is wild to me. I got to sleep off all these drugs and alcohol I just did. Yeah. No, he's the baby. They no. get treated like the baby. It's no. kinda, I'm, I'm, I'm a younger brother and I did get to get away with more. Same I, I wouldn't. I didn't get to like in high school get to be out until sunrise. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did get to get away with more than my sister did. Yes. Yeah, I didn't take advantage of it, but also, yeah, I, I, I could have gotten away with a lot more stuff than Chris did for sure. They didn't care at that point. They already had a good one. Yeah, they, I think it's just that at some point it's like just like deal fatigue with parenting. It's like okay, I, I'm kind of over just yelling. Just don't do it again. Yeah. Yeah, just is what it is. Wait, I'm the only one who's the oldest child in this podcast. Uh, no, Davis. No, middle. What? You have an older who? <laughs> I have an older sister. I do. Since when? Sorry, yeah. sorry to define it. Well, let's see. She was born 38 years ago, so about 38 years. What? <laughs> yeah. So Davis, sorry, I've man. known you since the 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 late night. Really. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm a shitty Breaking friend. news. Oh, I'll tell you all about it sometime. I've met your grandmother. This is crazy. <laughs> wow, really unpacking a lot of shit. I we will are. be damned. All right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so we'll we'll just close out by saying it ends with Wooderson, Pink, Simone, and the rest of the friends because I couldn't even keep their <laughs> the others. <laughs> um, <laughs> driving to Houston to get Aerosmith tickets because. Fuck it, Aerosmith is way better than any sort of pact you have to sign. And it's summer. Truly, truly. Um, um, oh, just one lame Austin thing. My boyfriend was watching this with me and he told me the exact road that they were driving on, but they were driving the wrong direction to get to Houston. So they were on 290 somewhere, but going actually west instead of On the east. way to El Paso. Yeah, nice. so little trivia for you guys. No, we don't, we don't have the, a branded segment for this, but there were some performances that I think deserve some attention in this movie. We talked about uh, Ben Affleck as O'Banion, just like mm-hmm. a, a super unhinged, like terrifying person. One character we haven't really discussed in here is Don. Um, Don's physical comedy is so great for me. There's a scene in the very beginning where he's trying to get a girl to ditch class and like he is so kind of frenetic about it and just like i don't know i i can't do the impression because i can't talk that fast but he is i i love every scene with him in this movie i wanted more of him he is the greatest for me wait he was the overalls guy right 
he was overalls. Yeah. yeah. Come on, let's go, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. It, it, I don't I, know. He's kind of I laugh every time. Ah. I'm sure it is. But listen, I wouldn't want to make out with him, but watching him in this movie makes me laugh every time he's like that amped up for anything. I always kind of bust up laughing. And his speech at the end with the uh, on the on the the on the on the football field where he's kind of just like I did as much as I could when I was stuck in this place. I had as much fun as I could when I was stuck in this place. I got with as many girls as I could when I was stuck with this place. It's just, it's, it, it just works with the character. He like kind of, I think as an actor, he just kind of nailed it. Yeah. I like the character And too, also, right? yeah, and also uh, Parker Posey, who I was like, she was a very early crush. When we talked about um, Eliza Dushku, I had a crush on from Bring It On. Um, Parker Posey, for a time in my life, I was like in love with her. And now I really only see her as like the dork from every Christopher Guest movie. Mm. Um, like we, if you've seen, a lot of people have seen Best in Show where she has adult braces and like a weird kind of a pixie haircut. I love her in A Mighty Wind. If you haven't seen A Mighty Wind, it's my favorite Christopher Guest movie. But I can't, I can't look at her and be like, oh, she's hot anymore because she always plays like the dopiest character in all of his movies and she is the best. But I, I did love her from the first time I saw this movie. She was my wife's favorite character when she watched she's it originally so and then when she watched it again. She just thought she did an awesome job as that kind of bitchy girl. Oh, oh did yeah. you watch this with you? Yeah, yeah. That's sweet. I, I, I have twins, infant twins, so I'm not necessarily allowed to have fun without her. <laughs> it's kind of this thing, if I have fun without my wife, it's kind of like, uh, how, how, like, why would you even think about doing that? I've been up for days, like, kind of thing. <laughs> First of all, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. First of all, how dare you? Where did you join? A, a little, uh, I think, under the radar performance is, uh, the the Benny character. It's like this really like underneath role, kind of like bit part, but he, he kind of nails it too as like kind of the big jock. He like makes a lot of jokes that aren't really funny, but people laugh because he could probably just beat you up. And he he like does the perfect, I'm, I, I'm drunk as hell. I'm gonna try to stand up. I can't yes. stand up, so I sit right back down. <laughs> it's We've all been there. He nails it perfectly. <laughs> and it's just, it's just kind of like, I, I, I like that when the big characters just show like like are just really well established. And I think he did a great job. Yeah. I also think Slater's performance as the stoner yeah. is like I feel like every stoner character after this is just based on him. Yeah. Um if you look at the way that Jim Brewer plays that role in uh, Half Baked, it, it's always like a variation of this. Um the two stoners from uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Like, yeah. they're all just doing a Slater impression, and he does it better than everyone else. Mm. And he asks Mitch, are you cool, man? <laughs> in in <laughs> what cool? way? And then just his response is just perfect. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's great. He's really, really, I mean, I love his work in this movie. I do love Adam Goldberg, too. Yeah. He, like he's out of time. Version of that. Of yeah, he almost like doesn't belong in this movie. He's, uh -huh. I feel like part of it is him kind of doing the, the voice of the audience a little bit. 
where he's he's reacting to these like ridiculous situations like being like, well, that's ridiculous. And everyone else is like, no, man, it's fun. And he's like, no, no, like this is dumb. You're all dumb. Like he's, I, yeah, he's he's not here for any of the fun shenanigans. But I, I do think um, we talked about this in the very beginning and uh, have kind of danced around it the entire time. But I think we really should dig into the music in this movie uh, with a segment we call Mic Check. Mic Check, one, two, one, two. Mic Check, one, two. Microphone check, one, two. So we opened with Sweet Emotion. Um, and as we said, the soundtrack could have been written by Tony Oaks because they had the cheat code. I just want to quick run down all the songs that I noticed here. So there's School's Out by Alice Cooper, while everyone's trashing the school. There's Why Can't We Be Friends by War during the air raid scene when they're just, you know, really getting after these girls. There's uh, Free Ride. Um, during the kind of the first montage transitioning in the evening while the guys are driving around. No More Mr. Nice Guy when they brutalize Mitch. Lowrider also by War um, when we're kind of transitioning into nighttime. The Hurricane um, when Wooderson first shows up. I Just Want to Make Love to You during like the pre-beer bust montage. Love Hurts during the eighth grade dance, which of course... Uh, Paranoia by Black Sabbath when the freshman boys get chased down. Tush by ZZ Top when mm. uh, Mitch smokes for the first time and Don is throwing trash cans at mailboxes out of the car. Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo during the pinball scene at the Emporium. Slow Ride plays twice. Um, oh, yeah. Once when Mitch comes back into the Emporium with a beer that he bought and again, uh, he puts on headphones at the end of the movie for his last scene, and it's kind of the outro of the movie. Um, I Want to Rock and Roll All Night uh, by Kiss on the way to the Moon Tower. Right Place, Wrong Time, when Mitch is walking around the Moon Tower party, like the first time drunk and high. Cherry Bomb, I think that's by The Runaways at the Moon Tower. And then uh, Stranglehold by um, Ted Nugent, who's a living piece of shit, but this is a great song. Uh, at the Moon Tower during the fight scene. So it's just like, let's, every single one of these songs is a bop. They all slap. Like, this soundtrack is phenomenal. Yeah. That's why, no, dude, it took two volumes to get all that. First one came out in 93, just called Dazed and Confused. And they had a second volume come out in 1994 called Even More Dazed and Confused. So really creative. It's so great. This soundtrack is we should probably get a ranking going, but it's, it's going to be hard to imagine any movie with a soundtrack topping this one for me. Yeah. I think it like definitely made me like classic rock. Cause like, I remember when sweet emotion came on and I felt like I was like right back there going like, Oh my God, this song is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Oh, Steven Tyler when he was like 17 years old. What a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Long, young Steven Tyler. So good. Now, one of the other things that we'd like to do on this podcast is take kind of a minor character and uh, dig into the rest of their career to find out if this was the peak of their career or kind of the start of big things. Uh, we're going to do a little bit different this time because this is a main character that Megan is going to talk about, but it's time for the IMDb deep dive. 
Yeah, so I was very curious. Again, this is the first time I'm seeing this movie. And so I was like, what happened to Mitch? Because I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. He's, he's like decent at acting. You know, he's like a main character in this movie. Um, so I get into the IMDb deep dive section and I'm like, this, so this guy who played Mitch, his name is Wiley Ramsey Wiggins. It's a great name. Yeah, it's a great name. Does not look anything like who he was at the time, <laughs> but I guess, you know, it's, it's a lot of years later. Um, so he is actually a native of Austin. And interestingly enough, he's the nephew of Lanny Wiggins, who is a member of Janis Joplin's band, the Waller Creek Boys. There you go. Um, which Waller Creek, again, another Austin um, spot. And so he had like a couple of credits in terms of like acting and what he was in. Um, another, as we talked about before this show, um, another uh, film made by the same director uh, was Waking Life. And so he was the main character in that and also an animator. Um, but he really only had like a few credits and just a couple of things like boys, the faculty, the faculty who is fuck up number two, you know, like, <laughs> not huge roles, generally speaking. Um, and then he was kind of an editor producer in a couple, like a handful of things. And so it's really interesting to see that, you know, this guy who's like, literally, this was his moment in 1993. And then had a handful of other things and kind of called, you know, called it in. And like, I would say that I'm surprised, but also like, he's not that great in this movie. We said his one like acting sort of skill was to pinch the bridge of his nose and kind of close his eyes and shake his head. Everybody else in this movie is acting circles around this kid. So like, yeah. I get, you know, I, I would have thought he would have had a bigger career considering this was like his debut role, but also like, I'm okay without seeing a long career for him. Yeah, I mean, he literally just had to be in this movie. Right. Because yeah. he was either like running away for thing, from things and like hiding and trying to be quiet or trying to fit into the cool kids and just like go along with them. And the other young kids were better than him. If, yeah. if they would have given either one of those to his role, I think they would have done a better job with it. My wife hated Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this guy, what is he doing in this, in this movie? And I, I, I was like, I, I, I didn't have an answer. He, like, I, I think they could have casted someone better. Yeah, he's not great. He's not he's just great. Not but, but, you know, he did give us an iconic performance. And I kind of think the, the fact that this is kind of all that we know him from makes this role kind of stand out more. He looks like Tim Lincecum, and he's a pitcher. So that, that all checks out to me. But, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think the fact that this is kind of his entire career makes this an even – more sort of special role to watch him in. Yeah. And he, he does not look athletic at all. At all. But again, at, Tim Lincecum. Great pitcher, man. Yeah. He's got an true. arm on him. I was very impressed. Now, I think that was actually that kid throwing. I thought they cut it so well that you would like, it could be anybody. That's true. It could have been anyone. Yeah. Absolutely true. Um, now, this brings us to the end of our podcast, and just like the end of the school year, that means it's time to hand out some superlatives. 
Wooderson is the most likely to take a seat right there for Chris Hansen. <laughs> Pink is wow. most likely to win four consecutive intramural football titles in college. Mm-hmm. Mitch is most likely to wistfully remember his freshman summer while driving a 13-year-old to a kegger. Uh, Don is most likely to get together with his high school buddies and talk about how they could have won state if Pink was the QB senior year. Yeah. Rory is most likely to need clean piss for the drug test at his first post-college job. And O'Banion is the most likely to punch someone in the face over a genuine misunderstanding. So that's our podcast for this week. Uh, if you guys liked what you heard, pop on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Leave us a good review. And if you don't, I have three words for you. Air Raid, freshmen! Take it easy, millennials. We will see you next week when we'll be discussing the 1999 football classic, Varsity Blues. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me on, guys.